Matthew chapter 9, verse starting in verse 14. This is another episode of John and Jesus talking through their disciples. You can understand even better here why I'm taking this viewpoint that something wasn't quite right with John. But that's why we have the scriptures. You don't have to agree with me. You can study them yourself and say, however you interpret them, that's between you and God. But this is what I'm seeing is happening here. So Matthew is writing this. This this passage is occurring right after Jesus calls Matthew, who's a tax collector. He has a dinner for Jesus, invites all of his tax collector friends. Jesus shows up at the dinner and the Pharisees say, what, what are you doing eating with all these tax collectors and sinners? Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a physician, it's the sick. I came for the sick. This passage now is right after that. I'm reading in the ESV. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? To notice, at this point, John's disciples are taking the side of the Pharisees against Jesus. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. John, who is a priest, he's a righteous man, he obeys the law, he's essentially, through his disciples now, correcting Jesus. He's correcting Jesus because Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners and he's not fasting. And John believes a righteous man should be fasting because we fast and the Pharisees fast. So he's now using the enemies of Jesus. You see, John's disciples now have taken the side opposite Jesus. And one of my lessons from this If you're not following Jesus and you're doing your own thing, your own ministry, eventually you're going to be going against Jesus. It's just the way it goes. If you're not following him closely, he might have taken a turn and you're still going the same direction and you're going to get farther and farther apart. At this point, John is actually accusing Jesus of not being righteous. This is a big deal. Now getting further apart. But watch how Jesus, who is a master, is able to correct John, and he's able to correct him sort of in a way that no one will notice except John and his disciples, if they're studious, what he's saying. Remember, we were talking about the bridegroom. John was actually saying, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. This, this language is part of him talking about the Messiah. Jesus is going to say, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He knows that John is already teaching his disciples about the bride and the bridegroom, so he's using this language. He's saying, look, you just said you're a friend of the bridegroom. It sounds like you understand you're part of the wedding party. Why are you mourning? Why are you fasting? Why don't you come join the party? This is, this is a wedding. The bridegroom is here. John, come join the party. Stop, stop all this religious talk. The bridegroom is here. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, 
and then they will fast. There's going to be a time for fasting, but the bridegroom is here. You're missing it. Come to the party. He's trying to get John involved. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put in old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. Jesus is like a new patch. He's doing new things. He's a new wine. He's a new patch. And John is trying to get him to fit into his old covenant theology. And Jesus is not fitting. In those days, if you were considered righteous, you were a keeper of the law. You just were very, very good at keeping the law. These are the people Jesus was up against. The thing about the law, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, If you are keeping the law for a couple of days, even whatever laws that you subscribe to, there's something that happens inside of you that may not be so good. What what am I talking about? Self-righteousness. That when you are really good at keeping the law, you are an expert at the law, you know all the laws, and you keep them, and you've become good at them, you become self-righteous. There are are ditches on both sides of the road. And this is what had happened in Judaism, in this system. Either you had the sinners who said, you know what, I can't keep the law, forget it. Or you had the Pharisees, you had the righteous, who said, we keep all the laws. Don't even eat with the sinners. So there was this this big polarization. And Jesus comes saying, I can help both of you. I can help the prodigal son who wasted all his father's inheritance, and I can help the elder brother who thinks he's better than anyone here, the self-righteous ones. Jesus is coming to unite everyone, but John is coming down trying to make everyone righteous through their behavior. John wants to baptize people and get their behavior tuned up, which is not a bad thing. It's just not what Jesus was doing right then. See, John believed Jesus was fulfilling the messianic prophecies that say, and the government will be on his shoulders. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. He believed that this, that Jesus was going to take over political power. It was just a matter of time. I believe John was waiting until Jesus was going to throw out all those crooks, all that corruption in the temple. It was just a matter of time. This is, this is what I read In the scriptures, this is supposed to happen. When we interpret the scriptures and we don't go to Jesus to say, is this what you're doing right now? Whether it's prophecy, whether it's laws, whatever it is, we can be way off base. And John was off. And he was unable to turn that corner and to make that transition. Jesus is saying, John, hey, there's something new here. I want you to come and your disciples to come and join the party. What are some reasons that John might have found it difficult to join Jesus' group and follow him? Let's just think about what we know about John. 
what would make that transition a little bit difficult for John? How about John's dress? He wore a camel hair shirt. He lived in a place that was very warm. He didn't, he really stayed in the same area. He probably didn't really want to travel where it was colder, where he'd have to get some other clothes. If he's following Jesus, who's Jesus eating with? Sinners, tax collectors. John's a righteous man. He, he doesn't want to do that. You see how, how it's not so easy. Oh, just go follow Jesus. But John's whole worldview was not going to make it easy to follow Jesus. He's eating with the people that John thought shouldn't be eaten with. Jesus and his disciples are not, they're not asking John for advice. And that's, John's trying to give Jesus some advice here. As you read the scriptures, start realizing how humble Jesus is. And this is the thing that no one is expecting. If you're the Messiah, well, you're going to take it by force, right? You're, you're, you're coming with your army. And there's you know, lightning shooting from your fingertips. I mean, you, you are taking everyone out. Yeah, Jesus, meek and mild. No one knows what to do with him. He's healing people. He's doing all these good things, but he's not taking power and control. And that's why John is continually confused here. And then he's going to get even more confused in the, the next passage where John actually gets put in prison. I want to pause and ask ourselves, are we synchronized with Jesus? The problem with John and Jesus is he was not synchronized. If you've ever walked a dog, and, the, and a dog who's synchronized with you walks on one side of you. One who's not synchronized doing what? It keeps, yeah, and, and it's tripping you and He's not synchronizing with you. The dog wants you to synchronize with the dog. Let me ask you that question. Are you asking God to synchronize with you or are you synchronizing with him? And to do that, we've got to hear his voice. So let's just pause for another moment. Well, let's finish now talking about that last episode in Matthew 11, 1 through 11. I'm reading in the ESV. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Okay, that is offensive, and it's meant to be. It's meant to be offensive. Jesus handles this so amazingly well, you wouldn't even notice that John has just tried to offend him. But John is suffering. He's in prison. Why is John in prison? He is correcting a non-Jewish king who happens to be ruling over part of Israel. Herod, he was an Edomite, there was some Jewish blood there, but it was, he was not following the Jewish law. So John, I think it's very interesting why John is correcting him. Remember I said John believed that Jesus was going to take over the government. So if you believe that Jesus is going to take over the government, John's job was to smooth the way. So he went to the top of the government and said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not lawful for you it's not legal for you, according to Jewish law, for you to have this woman. He was assuming Jesus, the Messiah, 
who's going to have the government on his shoulders, it says in the prophecy, was going to back him. Jesus did not back him. That's not what Jesus was doing. You see what's happening. John now is assuming things that Jesus is going to do. He's doing things, expecting Jesus to do things, and Jesus is not doing it. And what we see here is John's upset. He's angry. I thought you were the Messiah. I thought you were going to take over. John is an outdoors guy. I mean, he eats locusts and wild honey. He doesn't want to, no one wants to be in prison. Shall we look for another? Basically, it's accusing Jesus of not fulfilling his messianic role. And Jesus answers him so amazingly. He's using everything is from the scripture to say, okay, John, you're, you're looking at scripture? Let's use the scripture. This is from Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 35. Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Which is also, I can't remember where that is in Isaiah, but basically it talks about the Messiah becoming a stumbling block to the people, to, to both houses of Israel, a stumbling block. So, so the stumbling block of offense. John, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Don't stumble over me the way I'm doing it. You see, John is disillusioned with Jesus. He had expectations. So John saw the dove descend on Jesus. John heard about all these miracles. He has a messianic image problem. The people of that day believed, and maybe many of us still believe about Jesus, he's going to come and he's going to change everything externally. He's going to change the government. He's going to change the the churches. He's going to change all the evil people. There's going to be nothing but good people on earth when Jesus comes. If Jesus had done that, let's just think through this. If Jesus had done that, if Jesus had changed all the government, everything was righteous, would anyone change on the inside? Would there be any reason why you would mature, why you would grow, why you would... You see, we all want external changes, but we want external changes because internal changes are so much harder. It's harder to have faith. It's harder to trust God. It's harder to love your enemies. It's hard to pray for those who persecute you. It's very difficult to be like Jesus. And if Jesus comes and changes everything outside, and it's very possible that in heaven or then the next age, that's exactly what things will be like. Everything externally will be much easier. There will be righteous leadership. But if we haven't changed on the inside, we're still going to need to do that. John was really suffering. And he really felt like Jesus let him down. Like he did his part and Jesus did not do his part. I think this is common 
at some point in your life you may run into this, where you have done everything you thought Jesus wanted you to do, and you still made a mess. You're still suffering for whatever it is. You lost the relationship, you know, lost the money, lost the job, lost people's respect. I mean, John here is in prison for being a righteous man. He was accusing the top government leader. I also believe that the Pharisees, or the, Her the Herodians, they called them, there were certain groups that were sided with this Roman government, they turned him in. They were, they were happy to get rid of John. John was not liked by the administration in Jerusalem. So by, by staying separate from Jesus, kind of going on his own ministry trail, accusing the top leadership, he got put into prison. And I would say he died a very ignoble death. John did not die peacefully. He died at the request, his head was chopped off at the request of a dancing girl. If you think about that, this amazingly righteous man has his head chopped off at the request of a dancing girl. I mean, it, it really, something turns your stomach about that's wrong. It's so very wrong. Is it possible that John wasn't supposed to be in prison? Is it possible that if he had stayed with Jesus, my whole ministry, I'm following you. Is it possible that was the path for John instead of, I'm going to go start accusing people of sin. He, he didn't go to Jesus and said, hey, should I accuse Herod of having the wrong woman? Before you're going to do something like that, be a good idea to check. Hey, boss, you think I should go accuse Herod? Jesus probably would have said, that's not what I'm doing right now. John, good idea. I appreciate your, your energy, but that's not what we're doing now. Jesus, you notice he doesn't make any political statements. There's horrible things happening. In the, it's tremendously corrupt. He goes after the Pharisees in the church or in the, in the synagogue. He does not go after the Roman government. In this situation with Herod, John has gotten ahead of Jesus. And he wanted Jesus to synchronize with him. And that's where we go wrong. I want God to synchronize with me and my plan. Hey, this is what I'm doing. I think this is a good idea. It's also we have to give him some grace because of the kind of changes it would have required him. I mean, here's a man wearing camel skin, eating locusts in the desert to follow Jesus. He's going to have to go to these dinners with uh, who knows who. He's, gonna, he's not going to be the main attraction anymore. Think about that. It grates on you, right? It's, it's, it's not so easy for a man who's made it to the big time. Get to the back of the line. He was calling the shots. He was hearing directly from God. Look, we're all made out of the same mold. And the world has this grab on us and... We were asking John the Baptist after he became famous, you said it beautifully, get to the back of the line. Well, let's just stop now and think about this. Think about John's suffering. Think about his disillusionment, even his anger. Also the way Jesus corrects him and says, 
I'm the Messiah, even if I'm not the Messiah the way you want me to be the Messiah. Even if I'm withholding some things to make your life easier. So let's just pause now and, and, and talk about talk to God about that. So Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for the, the time. And we just ask a blessing on their lives. Lord, we want to synchronize with you. We want to sit at your feet. We don't want our ministry or our identity to ever take us away from you and from being able to hear your voice. So Lord, we want to hear your voice. We ask you to speak to us individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.